humans, and welcome back to the Creepy Cryptid Crypt, where I tell you, and sometimes a guest, about a scary story, a ghost tale, a cryptid creature, or a serial killer. <clears throat> this Wednesday, I'm gonna tell you about a serial killer who is a true, true psychopath and uh, a real fucking piece of shit. So let me tell you the tale of Carl Eugene Watts, also known as the Sunday Morning Slasher. Um, this guy does have a high body count and some of it is pretty gnarly, so just a heads up. But without further ado, let's fucking get into it. <clears throat> Watts was born in Killeen, Texas, to parents Richard Eugene Watts and Dorothy May Young. Watts's father was a first nope, was a private first class in the US Army, and his mom was a kindergarten teacher. Sound like, you know, totally normal average Americans. Uh, unfortunately for Watts, by the age of two, his parents divorced in 1955, and by that point, it's stated in some documentation that he's solely raised by his mom. In other documentation, later he ends up being raised by his grandmother. As we all know, reporters don't always go back and amend their facts, so I'm working with what I was able to find. Bear with me. Um, so after the divorce... Dorothy May moved them back to Inkster, Michigan, and at that point, a couple years later, she ended up remarrying in 1962 to a mechanic named Norman Caesar. Uh, later in their life, Dorothy had two daughters with Norman, and at that point, you know, this is where I was talking about the grandma stuff. One article reported that Watts spent most of his time with his grandma and eventually his mom and stepdad relocated to Detroit, so he stayed with grandma at that point. His grandma would say, you know, that during childhood he would often hunt and enjoyed doing so, as well as, you know, really liked skinning rabbits. So, you know, red flag number one a little bit. It's, you know, it's hard because I know a lot of people who thoroughly enjoy hunting but those people, you know, it, it's almost like a spiritual thing for them. They do it not only well, but they follow the guidelines and there's this whole process to it. So it's not, you know, just running out and skinning poor bunnies unjustifiably like they do the permits and the whole thing. So I say red flag, but I caveat that with it. I'm assuming that Watts was not in the respectful hunter population. So... Uh, many of the articles I could find stated that Watts was a strange child, which we all know could mean a variety of things. Uh, typically, though, he claims that he started to fantasize about... That makes no sense. I apologize. He <laughs> claimed that he started to fantasize about torturing and killing women at the age of 12, which is extremely abnormal. I don't know anybody who's 12 who does that, or at least verbalizes that. So there's that. Uh, other articles have described him as, you know, polite, soft-spoken man with athletic abilities. He still may be polite. He still may be soft-spoken. And he may as well be damn athletic. But that doesn't mean he's not talking about or having homicidal thoughts. So 
just a, it's not a, oh, he's so polite and, you know, nice. He would never, it's, yeah, sometimes they would. Sometimes they fucking would. There's this thing called masking. Read about it. Come on, y'all. Um, sorry. Anyway, so Watts was, you know, indeed athletic. He was reported to have participated in the Golden Gloves boxing program at one point. Um, I think he also ended up playing football, but we'll dig into that a little bit later because at this point I want to talk about how no matter how polite he was reported to be, he started acting on those fantasies of hurting women uh, and started stalking girls by the time he turned 15. Um, he also started demonstrating violent behaviors during this time frame. It was reported that he had a paper route and one morning while running his route, he knocked on the apartment door of, you know, just some lady and was like, oh yeah, the door's open. Fucking awesome. Attacked her as soon as she opened the door. And when police arrived and interrogated him, he simply stated, oh yeah, you know, like, I just felt like beating somebody up. Which uh, I take great issue with. Uh, there are a lot of us who feel like beating people up for various reasons, and we don't fucking act on it. So, anyway, um, there are some sources at this point that believe this is also the age at which he killed for the first time, the age of 15, but uh, the first confirmed victim from all sources was in, oh, excuse me, uh, 1974, which if I did the math right, it's likely I didn't do it entirely right, but would put him at being like 21 years of age and not 15. But again, that's the first like confirmed victim. It's 1974, 21 years of age. Um, I want to kind of talk about his mental state a little bit. So we already know that he's got these crazy fantasies and he's acting out on them. But um, some people stated that this was because of his low IQ and they were attributing it to the fact that Watts contracted meningitis when he was 13. And at some point when he did that, his fever was really, really high. It ended up impacting his brain and therefore, in some people's opinions, his IQ. Um, so much so that he had to repeat the eighth grade and he apparently still had a hard time keeping up with students his second year of eighth grade anyway. Um, again, if you don't know, meningitis can cause a high fever, you know, ends up frying your brain. Some people theorized ended up creating a learning disability. As we know, sometimes being in a classroom setting, it's not that simple. Just want to caveat that. Um, he typically had really bad grades. He's failing most of his classes. It's reported that he only had like a third grade reading level by the time he was 16. Uh, and he was often bullied at school. So weird home life, creepy thoughts, Stalking women, attack somebody at 15, his brain is kind of fried, not, not a lot of anything to, you know, redeem this kid or keep him from continuing on the path he's on, unfortunately. Um, so, and I'm feeling bad for the child, not this asshole. I just want to caveat that. I also want to point out a lot of children experience things like that and don't go fucking murder people. So there's that. 
Uh, on June 29th in 1969, he was officially arrested for sexual assaulting, sexually assaulting 26-year-old Joan Gave. And when he was taken to court, they ended up sentencing him to a mental hospital in Detroit, which was called the Lafayette Clinic. And at the Lafayette Clinic, the psych assessment they did indicated that his IQ was low. It was 68. And at that point, I think on the scale, it's mild mental retardation. But they also found out that, albeit he's got that low IQ, he had a delusional thought process, paranoia, and strong homicidal impulses. Um, The psychiatrist who evaluated him also stated that his control mechanisms weren't working properly and he should be considered extremely dangerous. So, we've gleaned a lot from that one assessment. Um, It was also noted in one of the articles that while he was being interrogated for that sexual assault, the officers found that Watts was actually really intelligent and had a really excellent memory. So... There's that. Um, He... uh, Okay, he was released in November of that year. I don't know who the fuck decided that. Don't know who the fuck was in charge of that. Thanks for fucking that up. I hope you feel like shit. Anyways, uh, he ended up going back to high school and continued his sports. Still had bad grades. No surprise there. Uh, I also just want to take a quick pause and acknowledge the fact that this assault of a 26-year-old woman I just talked about, he committed while he was in high school. So I'm, I'm trying to establish the pattern that we're seeing. It's accelerating quickly. He's at a young age. I'm sure he's learning very quickly from any mistakes he's making, how to tweak them. He's It just boggles my mind at this point that nobody is considering him, outside of the psychiatrist, an extreme risk. And I have a huge issue with that because it happens a lot in today's society of sentencing criminals because we look at their age and we say, oh, they're so young, they didn't know better, and then whoopsie fucking do, we fuck up, we let them out, they repeat, and sometimes they fucking kill people. Like, I know there's people fucking researching this. Read, judges. Do your fucking jobs. Come on. It's fucking ridiculous. Sorry. Um, While back in high school, uh, Watts was often in trouble with the school admins for being violent with his female classmates. Okay. Knew that was going to happen. Somehow, he managed to graduate high school in 1973. All right, so we have that. And then, of course, here in my note, I say, it's almost like the judges are like, ah, yes, let's see how many red flags we can collect before we actually have him deal with the consequences of his actions. But we all know that I could talk about pieces of the legal system and the judicial system for hours and hours and hours, and, you know, I don't know what time it is on your Wednesday. I don't want to take up your whole day. We'll get into it another time, maybe. So, um... After graduating, he somehow received a football scholarship to Lane College in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, True to his pattern, he was expelled 
after three months because he was accused of assaulting and stalking women. Uh, additionally, a lot of people in that community actually suspected him to be involved in a brutal murder of a female student, but there was never enough evidence to convict him of murder, unfortunately. Uh, so after he was expelled, he was like, all right, I'm going to go to Houston, Texas. It's far enough away. They're not going to know. Um, one source stated that once he got to Houston, he stopped going to school because he had a football inter and energy football injury and therefore he returned to Detroit. Later he would end up getting a special scholarship and enter 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 into God, sorry, enter into a mentoring program at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. So at this point we're popping around three different states. He has been removed from one school for being creepy and stalking and insulting women. He's been removed from another school for a reported football injury. I'm doing air quotes. I know you can't see me. And now we're at school three. Cool. Awesome. Um, great. At some point during this time frame, after getting this special scholarship, he ended up having another psychological evaluation. And at that point, it was determined that he still presented a danger to people. And he still had strong impulses to beat up women. But due to confidentiality issues in HIPAA at this point in time, I think it's still the 70s, he can't, they can't tell anybody at school or alert the authorities. I think now HIPAA and psychiatry and all that stuff covers for if you're a danger to yourself or other people. So would have been great if we had that then, but we didn't. <clears throat> so now we're going to jump to October 25th, yeah, 1974. And this is the point where, you know, we've already got that pattern. He already, we've already established he's got this thought process, these impulses. He cannot control them. He is dangerous. But now the attacks are going to ramp up. So October 25th, 1974, Lenore Kinzaki answered her front door and was attacked by a man who claimed that he was simply looking for Charles. Uh, thankfully for Lenore, she was a fighter. She really, really, really fought back uh, and was able to survive. So um, that ended up helping, helping the investigations later. Uh, five days later, October 30th, 19-year-old Gloria Steele's body was found with 33 stab wounds to the chest. A witness spoke to the authorities and said that they, he had just talked to a man near Gloria's apartment prior to her attack and said that he was also looking for Charles. So we're going to assume that that's Watts. Really, Red Dog? Okay. Are you settled now? Okay. Um, so there's that. Uh, November 12th, Diane Williams was attacked under similar circumstances. She managed to survive and saw her attacker's car and was able to identify it to the police. Um, in both cases, Lenore and Diane, uh, Watts had choked them until they were unconscious and both surviving women were able to pick Watts up out of a, pick Watts up, pick Watts out of a lineup and he ended up being charged with assault and battery. Um, at this point, he admits to attacking 15 females, but refuses to admit to Gloria's murder. They assumed very heavily that it was him. I think they had enough evidence to 
you know, say so, but nothing to charge him with or prove beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, at this point, Watt's lawyer advises him that it would be better to commit himself to the Kalamazoo State Hospital than to, you know, go to trial and all that stuff. So that's what he did. Once he was there, another psychiatrist determined that Watts had antisocial personality disorder. Uh, there is some... The psychiatrist said this. I don't know how accurate this is. Excuse me, but the psychiatrist theorized that Watts had killed two women in the facility. There's not a lot of info on that. I don't know if the hospital wanted to keep it quiet or if it just wasn't reported or if it didn't happen and the psychiatrist was trying to not illuminate, but like show how seriously dangerous Watts was. Either way, while he was committed, Watts's lawyer was able to come to a plea agreement with prosecutors. And as a result, he ended up pleading guilty to the one assault in exchange for a one year sentence in county jail. And he didn't have to plead guilty because he was never charged in glorious murder. So there's that. Yeah. <clears throat> but it gets worse. So upon release from jail, he moved to Ann Arbor, where at this point he reportedly married a, a lovely woman. Uh, I'm keeping her name out of it because they only stayed married long enough to conceive a child. And there were a lot of articles that were confusing her with the wife of a different Carl Watts. Uh, that Carl Watts was somebody who murdered his wife in what I think was Florida. And I don't want to get the two confused. So I'm, I'm just leaving her out of it. Usually I wouldn't, but there we go. Um, anyways, you know, her and Carl divorced in May 1980. A lot of the articles theorize that anytime his marriage hit a rocky point that Carl went out to hunt for prey. So I just want to keep that in the back of everybody's minds. Thankfully, the wife was smart enough and she got the fuck out of there. Hopefully she took the kid. I think she did, but anyway. Um, while the marriage was kind of rocky, he ended up spending some time in Gross Point Farms, which is a suburb in Detroit. Uh, you know, he would often state that he was visiting family. Whether or not that was true or valid, a lot of people say yes, some people say no, nobody can thoroughly determine, put it that way. Um, <clears throat> so October 8th of 1979, he strangled and murdered Peggy Pocharma, 22, in Detroit. Uh, later that month, October 31st, 1979, he broke into the home of Jeanne Klein and killed her. An eyewitness saw an African-American man fleeing the scene but, you know, homicide detectives had no clear way to connect Watts to the murders in Kalamazoo, to the murders in Detroit. He's moving around a lot. We've already discussed that. So connecting the dots is difficult at this point. So now I'm going to move into the terror in the time frame in which Watts is called the Sunday morning slasher. Um, he's named this because a lot of the murders where he used a knife were committed Sunday morning. Just some backstory there. Um, it's not always the way that he killed. He didn't have a consistent MO. I guess it just kind of depended on how angry he was with the woman and what he had available. So, uh, March 11th in 1980, Hazel Conniff was strangled to death 
she was 23. March 31st, Denise Dunmore was also strangled to death. She was also 23. Back in Ann Arbor, April 1980, police are called to the home of 17-year-old Shirley Small. She was repeatedly cut and slashed at which what, with what they think was a scalpel. She bled out on the sidewalk in front of her house. May 31st, 1980, Linda Montero was found strangled to death. July 1980, police found Glenda Richmond, 26, in her doorway with 28 stab wounds. Followed by 29-year-old Rebecca Greer in September, she died outside her front door with 54 stab wounds. So I think, and this is just my theory, with the progression here, he had those first two survivors who he strangled unconscious. Then he figured out that he could strangle these other two girls. But I think he may have decided at that point that it took too long. And so he switched over to the slashing and the stabbing method. That's my own personal theory. It doesn't sound like he was a sexual sadist. A lot of people will say that, you know, stabbing is a very intimate crime. And in some cases with men against women, it's a sexual sadist who will do the stabbing. But I think at this point, it's like the pure paranoia in the hatred of women that dictates his MO. But that's just my personal theory. Um, at one point, Canadian police believe that Watts crossed the border uh, in October of 1980 and that he was responsible for the assault of 20-year-old Sandra Delp outside her apartment as she sustained multiple stab wounds to the face and the throat. And after all of these murders in March, in May, and September, and then this one in October, I don't know if Canada was involved, but um, a task force ended up being formed. And that task force was led by Detective Paul Bunton. Uh, unfortunately, they were looking at all of these murders that span over a five-month five period with very limited evidence. With that MO switch, it's difficult to tell if he's involved in the stranglings and the stabbings at this point. You know, I imagine making that case to a captain, the captain's going to say, dude, those they're two different MOs. It's not the same guy. But now we know... A lot of serial killers are learning as they go, and their MOs will change or evolve as they go. <clears throat> All that being said, uh, a Sergeant James Arthurs caught wind of the task force and reached out as he had prior experience with Watts and recognized some of the similarities to Watts' previous crimes. Um... During all of this time frame, Watts started working for his stepfather's uh, trucking slash mechanic company, which in my brain gave him probably like a good wide range of targets geographically, depending on if he was doing, excuse me, mechanic work or if he was actually doing the trucking work. So I just want to put that little tidbit in there. Uh, he was also placed under sporadic surveillance during this time as a result of the task force and was subsequently arrested for prowling a suburb called Southfield in Detroit. Uh, unfortunately, the charges were eventually dropped, but it's important to note that during that time, five women were assaulted on different occasions, but with similar circumstances. Thankfully, they survived, but none of them could identify their attacker. So at this point, he's, he's honing his skill, you know? He's accelerating too, which is fucking scary. Um, 
In uh, March 1981, Watts is fired from his job, and so he moves back to Houston, goes to South Houston, and, you know, the task force is like, shit, we gotta call Texas. So they inform the Texas authorities, Watts finds a new job, starts going to church. It's not gonna fucking help you, bro, but all right. Uh, And then ended up bouncing around, living at either relatives' houses or out of his car. The murders obviously did not stop during this time. Like, at all. So, man, I fucking hate this guy. Um, March 27th, 1981, Edith Leader, 34-year-old med student, was stabbed to death while she was out on a run. September 12th, Elizabeth Montgomery, 25, was walking her dog at night and she was attacked. Uh, She made it all the way back to her apartment before she collapsed, but she ended up passing away. Um, Two hours later, 20-year-old Susan Wolfe was murdered by being stabbed at her apartment. Uh, In January of 1982, Phyllis Tam, 27, was found hanged on her school campus, Rice University, with an item of her own clothing. Another Rice University student, Margaret Fossey, was found in the trunk of her car with the crushed larynx. She was 25. I would like to remind you guys that at the very first university he got into... Oh shit, let me scroll up. Where's my note? Where are we? Where is this? I want to be specific. Lane College in Jackson. Remember, he was reported for assaulting and stalking women, and a lot of people theorized he had killed some women there, so he has a history of targeting students. Uh, I just want to put that in there. Um... February 7th, 20-year-old Elena Samander was found strangled and partially clothed in a garbage can close to a bar she was last seen at. So now we're seeing the removal of clothing, which is new for him. That's not something he's done before. Um, In March, Emily Lacroix was reported missing from Bookshire, Texas. That's actually 40 miles north of Houston. Um, This is a speculated victim. It's not been originally connected to the other murders, and I don't think he was charged with this murder. Uh, March 31st, Mary Castillo was found in a ditch, strangled and partially clothed. She was 20 years old. Three nights later, I think that puts us first couple days in April, uh, 19-year-old Christine McDonald disappeared while hitchhiking home from a party at Rice University. Again, another university student. Uh, Suzanne Searles was reported missing in April, uh, April 25th. She, nope, sorry, she was... Carrie Mae Jefferson disappeared after a night shift on April 15th. She was 32. Yolanda de Garcia was stabbed six times in her home the day after April 16th. She was 26. Red dog. Come on, move. Thank you. Sherry Strait disappeared with her mom's car on May 1st. They found, oh shoot, sorry. They found her body and the car on May 4th. Um, Sherry was in high school. Two weeks later, Gloria Calavay, 32, was found dead in a dumpster. She was wrapped in curtains. <clears throat> May 23rd. 1982, Sunday morning, Watts was caught fleeing the Houston apartments where he had previously assaulted 
Lori Lister and Melinda Aguilar. He had half-drowned Lister in her own bathtub, and Aguilar actually fucking jumped from her own balcony to get away from him. She's just like, fuck it, this uh, broken legs is better, I don't give a shit. Um, they would also later find the body of 20-year-old Michelle Madey at that same apartment complex he was running from, and uh, she was strangled. <clears throat> Uh, thankfully, at this point, they catch him. He's held on $50,000 bond, which I personally think is too little for the rate of crimes, but I'm speculating on how many they're charging him with at this point. So there's that. Ah, yes, here we go. My note, because he was only charged with aggravated assault in two counts of attempted murder, burglary, and aggravated assault. Because at this point, they can only charge him with the stuff that he had tried to do to Lori and Melinda. They hadn't quite gotten able to charge him with what happened to Michelle. I don't know if they were able to actually ever charge him with that or what evidence they found. It might be in my notes a little further down here. Um... So as a result, Watts was psychologically evaluated again. They found him sane to stand trial, but noted that he had a pathological hatred of women, which he claimed came from when his favorite uncle was murdered by a female family member. At this time, they also diagnosed him as a paranoid schizophrenic. So I'd like to say that we're still continuing to establish the pattern of his hatred of women, his violent behavior. The only difference is, you know, at this point he's diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. And I think before he was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. Different, different things. But at this point, again, he's been seen by like four to five different psychiatrists in different states and different places. So I'll caveat with that. Um, in August of 1982, Watts starts negotiating deals with prosecutors. So the, the deal that he was negotiating said that he would plead guilty to the burglary charges and accept a 60-year life sentence, which apparently is equal to life in the state of Texas, life, life in prison. Um, and he said... He said... Ah, yes, okay. He said if they took this deal he would clear up some of the homicides they had. So naturally, they agreed to the deal. He had to serve a minimum of 20 years before being eligible for parole. Now, I don't know how deals like this are made. I take issue with it. I think at this point, they are thinking that whatever they can find, like they've got some kind of I'm hoping they have some kind of like back-end deal loophole so they can charge him with more later. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> so as a result, he confessed to the following 10 murders in Houston. The murder of Susan Wolfe, Carrie Mae Jefferson, Elizabeth Montgomery, Margaret Fossey, Elena Samander, Susan Searles, Yolanda de Garcia, Phyllis Tam, Ledette, which I didn't previously find any info, info on, and then Day, that last one in the apartment complex he was running from. Uh, he also confessed to killing a 19-year-old in Galveston, Texas, and being responsible for the death of Linda Tilly, which had been ruled accidental until this point because she had drowned in a pool. <clears throat> he also then confessed to a number of non-fatal assaults in Austin, Galveston, and Seabrook. If you don't know, these are all places in Texas. 
So he then um, took authorities to the bodies of those he of the murders, like he confessed to, but they didn't find all the remains of all of the other ones that they thought they could attribute to him. So that made things a little complicated. At some point, Michigan came to the game and they're like, "Hi." We also have murder charges for you on Gian Klein. So Watts traded testimony for immunity and then confessed to 13 more murders in Michigan. Uh, investigators concluded at this point that his body count was as low as 22, but could also be as high as 100. He was officially sentenced September 3rd in 1982, and the judge reportedly said the following at his hearing, the sentencing hearing. <clears throat> I hope they put you so deep in the penitentiary that they'll have to pipe sunlight to you. Uh, I'll, I, I know there is a big hoopla on solitary confinement, and I say hoopla because I know it is probably not used properly, in my mind, if I was in charge, that's used for these people. You put them in there, you lock away the key, you fucking forget about them. They've taken enough lives. We don't need to worry about it anymore. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, <clears throat> Watts was scheduled for a release in May of 2006 because Texas authorities had denied his fifth parole bid in 2002. So the law there then requires them to release him in his next parole eligibility period, which would have been 2006. But Michigan came back through with a new indictment in March 2004 on a different murder victim. So Helen Dutcher, age 36, was murdered in her Detroit, Detroit suburb. They had new evidence that they previously didn't have, which allowed them to charge him. So I assume that they were able to finally test or run some DNA and get that all squared away and it pointed directly to him. Um, and because he wasn't charged with her murder at the time that he made the plea deal, it didn't apply to that immunity. So he had no immunity on this particular case in Michigan. So at this point, <clears throat> excuse me, they extradite him to Michigan in April 2004. He pled not guilty. Fucking idiot. Of course he did. Uh, but he was ultimately convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in Michigan. Thankfully for everyone, he died in prison in 2007. And now we don't have to worry about him being released ever again. The only hiccup is, is we won't ever really know how many women he killed the extent of that, a lot of families aren't going to have closure. So. <sighs> that one was rough. But there you have it. A long list of victims by a man who could have been and should have been on the radar and was on the radar. We've got the paper trail. He was evaluated several times. All of them said he was dangerous. Just fucking... Annoying, 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 annoying. I just, I don't understand why we have these aspects to reform violent criminals. A lot of them don't change. Our reform doesn't work. We spend hundreds of thousands, if not millions and billions of dollars on this shit. 
that isn't working. It just something's got to give and nobody seems fucking concerned about it. So anyways, that's today's episode in this Wednesday's piece of shit. It's fucking trash, trash human being, just a trash human being. Um, thank you for joining me in today's venture. Uh, please stay tuned in the following weeks on the Creepy Cryptid Crypt podcast for episodes on Benjamin Atkins, the Loveland Frog, the Honey Island Swamp Monster, the Dover Demon, uh, Charlie Chopoff, the, oh, what is that? I can't read it. West Mesa Bone Collector, and many, many more. Um, If you guys have a suggestion, please put that out on the Instagram. It's uh, Creepy Cryptid Crypt Podcast on Instagram. I'd love to hear your input. Uh, I've got some ghost stories from Jerome coming up. I'm trying to postpone that episode so I can go and test some stuff out myself because uh, Banshee's not a ghost hunter, but this is my own venture, so I can ghost hunt by myself which is probably not safe, so maybe I'll take Ham or or, um, Dr. Manhattan with me, but either way, we've got a lot of good content coming, and I say we because, you know, Red Dog and Slinky are obviously integral in this recording process, so yeah, that's the we. Uh, So we thank you for joining us this Wednesday, and we hope you have a good rest of your week. We will catch you next Wednesday, but until then, please like, follow, rate, subscribe, tell your friends, tell other true crime, ghost, Halloween lovers uh, that this exists. I know that there are a lot of true crime podcasts. Um, Eventually, maybe one day, I can tell our story, but um, probably not for a long time. But maybe one day. So again, 